Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. So glad you guys are here. And um, turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're actually going to finish up um, Hebrews 11 today. Um, I think this is my 10th sermon. I, I may have miscounted, but I think this is my 10th sermon in just chapter 11. And here's the truth of the matter. I could have preached probably double that amount if you were being really technical and going verse by verse. But So next week, just to give you an outline for the rest of the year, I'm going to preach the next two weeks on this truth, thankful for the pain. Now, most of us would say, what? I want to make this statement as I've already begun to prepare that. God never lets his children go through pain without a purpose. And I pray over the next two weeks, I'll show you how God can truly use some of the deepest, darkest hurts of your life to bring him glory. And then now we live in an age of 5G, don't we? Everybody looks when you're, when you're checking out the Wi-Fi, your internet, you're going, man, I've got 5G now and, and on my phone, I should be getting all the downloads that I want and all this stuff. Well, starting the first Sunday in December, I'm going to talk about a life in 7K. So much better than 5G. And so for the month of December, this is not your prototypical uh, Christmas sermon either, Christmas series. I'm going to start at Genesis 1. And on that first Sunday, I'm going to preach on the creation of the world. Because I think the world is somewhere between 6,500 and 7,000 years old. As I study and I, I look at what I believe. Uh, just so you can tell your, your biology teachers and all those people, no, I don't believe it's millions of years old. I believe God created the earth with age. Just like Adam was a grown man when he was created, he wasn't a baby. Okay? He has the ability to do that. So anyway. So that'll be the first Sunday. The second Sunday is Genesis 12, the creation of the Jewish race when he called Abraham. And then the third Sunday will be some prophecies from the book of Isaiah. And then Christmas Eve, I'm going to preach on the birth of Jesus. That would, all of history points to that one event and then the crucifixion. But then the last Sunday of the year, I'm going to preach on the second coming of Jesus. That'll be the last part of 7k we're going to deal with and going out into the millennial reign and, and forevermore then the start of the year i'm going to be preaching on man this is crazy for your pastor i'm never this far out ready to go first sermon i'm going to be preaching a theme for the entire year which is intentional i want this church to be intentional in our witness intentional in our walk and intentional in our ways there you go. There's my outline for the first sermon of 2024. I mean, look around. There's people that are missing that, that we just need to go get. We need to be intentional in all that we do. And then there's going to be a lot more that I'm going to throw out. Then I'm going to preach on the six core values of our church and what we should be as believers and, and disciples of the, the Lord King Jesus. But for now, Hebrews chapter 11. Would you stand at the reading of God's word? If, if I were to t tell you in all of Hebrews 11, this last part, 
is my absolute favorite part. Oh, we all love to read about Noah and Abel and Enoch and Abraham and, or Abram and Sarah and Moses and all that. We love that. This part I'm about to read now is where most of us will fall. God's others. You'll hear that word a couple times throughout this. Starting in verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to, to, to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, if you write in your Bibles, that's what you should highlight or underline because that's the key to this entire chapter, through faith. Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some, a better translation is others, were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Have you ever wondered why some people die early? you ever uttered these words? I don't understand why that person had to die. They were so good. I'm going to give you the greatest biblical answer to that question ever. Look at the next few words here. Of whom the world was not worthy. That's powerful right there, and I'm going to deal with that. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, translate it better, is others... Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Father, God, help each and every person hearing me live or even on the internet to be one of your others. God, help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Ling, Angela, Sabrina, Guillermo, Carlos, Alfredo, Paolo, Peter. Names you don't even have a clue who I'm talking about. But people I know that I would say fit the bill for God's others. They'll never have their name like Moses. They'll never have a name like Abraham or Enoch. Never be on the marquee of some big pastoral time. But I believe out in heaven, God knows them as his others. See, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have an outline of the, the big names of our faith. But tucked away at the very end, where most of us fall, we have the unnamed saints of God's kingdom. 
And that is the driving force of God's kingdom, I believe. Not all of us will ever have our name in lights. Not all of us are going to do things that are earth-shattering, that will be read about for years upon years upon years to come. But we can all be clustered together in a group called God's Others that were just faithful to the task set before us. Now the question is, how do we do that? How do we go about that, Pastor Hank? How do we live this out? Well, it starts off with what I said, through faith. So really, and I pray this is what you've heard over these last several weeks, is this thought about your faith. And, and my prayer has been throughout this study of Hebrews 11, as we've gone through this one truth, I have prayed it every week. God, help our faith to be stretched. Some of us will say this, well, preacher, I, I don't have enough faith to do what a, a Moses did or an Abraham or an Enoch or this or that, and, or even preacher, what you just read, I don't have enough faith. See, that's a lie from the very pit of hell by the enemy. Do you remember what Jesus, when he was talking, the disciples asked that very question that you're talking about. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, what they were saying is, Lord, we don't have enough faith to do everything you're telling us about. So, Lord, here's what we want you to do. We want to become that vessel where you pour more of your our faith into us so that we can live it out. And do you remember what Jesus said? If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to fall into that sea. See, the problem is you don't need more faith. You need to have your faith stretched. You need to be willing to do as Peter and step out of the boat. You need to be, do, be more like Peter who stood up and just preached the gospel to the very ones who had just crucified Jesus on that Pentecostal Sunday. You need to be like Paul who was told at the very outset, I'm going to deal with this in a little bit, at the very outset of his ministry that he would suffer massive persecutions. And yet he went and spoke the name of Jesus everywhere. Are you willing to be one of God's others? Because, all you, amen, brother, all you got to do is go. Scripture tells us clearly, go and make disciples. Because when you go, then you're one of God's others. But how do we do that? Let me look at three things really quickly. Number one, if you're willing to be one of God's others, and you're willing to understand the potential of faith, you have to understand that faith empowers you. There's nothing that I have to offer God. This is where we make a mistake sometimes, too, as if God needs us for his kingdom. God needs no one for his kingdom, but God invites us to be a part and to be used by him. In me and myself, I am nothing more than a hell-bound sinner. I am nothing more than a weak. Matter of fact, if you go to 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 4, I think, or maybe chapter 5, I am nothing but broken pottery, that has nothing but cracks and holes that, that spills out anything poured into it. Yet by God being in me with the Holy Spirit, I'm precious. That's why I'm a saint. 
Not because Hank Meadows preaches to a crowd on Sunday morning. Not because Hank Meadows pastors Marion Baptist Church. Not because Hank Meadows had believers as parents. No, I am this way because at some point Hank Meadows understood that he was a hell-bound sinner that needed a Savior and accepted that Savior named Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came to reside in him. I heard a sermon this week, y'all, about how to fit. It wasn't supposed to be a sermon, but this person got to ranting and raving. Here's what they said, and it was totally false doctrine, which this world is full of. This person said, if you're saved and you don't have the Holy Spirit, you need to get him. And I went, that's impossible. It is the Holy Spirit that is the actual guarantee of your salvation. I said, you can't have one without the other. Friends, it is the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference in your life. So faith empowers you, and it empowers you in your capabilities. I mean, we'll look down at all of these groups. We could start right there at verse 4, by faith Abel. By, and then when you're going down, by faith Enoch, by faith Abram, by faith Noah, by faith Moses, by faith Sarah, by faith all these big people. You realize they had nothing to offer either except for a life. I was asked this week, literally, Preacher, what exactly does God want from me? Your life. Just let that sink in for a moment. Your life. God wants you to be sold out for Him. I'll go back. We'll sell out for anything, won't we? I mean, we'll, we'll wear the gear of our favorite sports team. We'll, we'll wear the colors of our favorite sports team. And we'll, we'll do all that. And we'll look crazy. And I've told you before, man, we'll go to these games and we'll, we'll undress, basically, and, and paint stuff on our body just so we're called the biggest fan there is. But yet we hide our Christianity like it's the plague. We don't think God could ever use somebody. I hear this too often. God can't use somebody like me. Are you different than anybody else he's ever used? Abraham was a liar. David was a murderer, an adulterer, and a liar. Paul was a murderer himself. Shall I go on? This Bible is replete with failures of people, yet God said David, the one who was an adulterer, who was a murderer, who was a liar, God says that he was a man after his own heart. He says that Abraham was a friend. And yet you think God can't use you? See, here's the problem. We put too much stock in who we are. Come on now. You put too much stock into who you are. You think your work for the kingdom of God is based on you. You have nothing to offer the kingdom. But you get some old boy or girl full of the Holy Spirit. Then you got something precious. Then you got something that, man, listen, when you, when you come to the potter, 
And you allow him to mold you and make you. That's what you don't want. If you go to uh, Jeremiah, I think it's somewhere around, I think somewhere around, I don't even know. It's in Jeremiah. 17, I think. It talks about the potter and the clay. And the Bible says, that does not the potter have the right to make the clay as he wants? Well, preacher, what if I don't want to do what God calls me to? Then get over yourself. Our capabilities, it's not about us. I said, we have nothing to offer. These guys right here in the chapters that we're, this part of the chapter we're looking at, they didn't even have names that we know of. But heaven knows their names. I believe as the writer penned these words by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was constantly thinking, oh, that one, and 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 that one. We'll never know the names he's talking about, but heaven has them all written down. Not only in, in um, capabilities, but in possibilities. There's an expectation here. Listen to all this stuff that, that they, they, they had to fight through here in the first part. Uh, they uh, conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They, they put foreign armies to flight. They understood that God was up to something. They had a word from heaven about what to do and where to go. And once they got their marching orders, they went just as God demanded because they understood God was up to something. And sometimes they just did what they were doing and then they got shown that they, God was going to move. Do you imagine Daniel? Man, if you hadn't read the book of Daniel lately, go read it. Daniel, is one time he prayed three times a day and then the guys got mad at him. And, but what did Daniel just do? He just kept on praying and then they went to throw him in the, in the lion's den. I believe somewhere down in the heart of hearts, I want to ask Daniel, when I've been in heaven about a million years, maybe I'll get around to asking Daniel, oh, Dan, did you ever think you were going to die in that lion's den? We, we read nothing that he fought it. We read nothing that he fought with his captors. We just read that he went in there, and I believe his expectation was, this isn't going to be the end. See, we'll never, ever get the ridiculous because we never speak the ridiculous based on the ridiculous being told to us by God. Isn't it crazy to think that this dude was thrown into a pit of lions that were hungry and survived? How ridiculous is that? Yet Daniel escaped it. Man, I mean... They conquered kingdoms. We could talk about David maybe in that. Became mighty in war. You ever read about David's mighty men? I mean, them dudes, you, go read, go read in, the, in First Chronicles. You get over there about ver, uh, chapter 11 or 12, I think. They begin to describe, I think it's David's mighty men and some things. You'll read things like, hey man, th this guy, now it's named back in the Old Testament. This guy killed 400 Philistines, he stood, and literally one of them says, he stood in the middle, and I think some of it, David, is in Kings, right? I know that's your favorite book. It says, he just stood in the middle of a field and took on 400 Philistines and killed them all. Man, you couldn't take a UFC fighter and do that. 
And this dude wasn't fighting with some M40 or something like that. M4, man. This dude was using his bare fists, and my man went to working on them. One dude, it says, went down in a, this is my favorite quote of all scripture that has nothing to do with salvation, okay? He went down in a snowy pit, went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. God used it because they expected God. What do you, listen, I think I asked this last week, I'm going to ask it again. What are you doing in your life if God doesn't show up, you're going to fail at What's going on in your life? What are you asking God and what are you stepping out in faith to do for God that if he doesn't show up, you're going to fall flat of your face? Now, make sure you get that from God first. Don't just do it on your own. God, I'm going to do this. Show up and fix it. No, no, no. You get the word from God and then you start going. But then some of them, not only that, then it says women receive their dead back by resurrection. That they were, listen, there, there were times when they, when they went and they fought and they died, yet the women were praying, and then their son or their daughter came back to life. Do you remember the Shulamite woman with Elisha? She, we have no clue other than her being called that. Man, she got her son back from the dead. When do we give up hope? When did we become a, a faith of hopelessness? At what point did that begin to describe the Christian life? And then in realities, here's why they could do all that. Refusing to, to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Some of us won't do what we're talking about because we're afraid. You're afraid somebody might Say something smart to you. Some of you high schoolers, you're probably afraid they're going to call you a Jesus freak. College kids, too. Some of you adults, you're afraid they're going to make fun of you or the water cooler. Yeah, you know old Sally Sue, you know, she's the goody-goody two-shoes. I don't know what voice that was. You know, you know, old holier-than-thou Hank. They, here's literally what this means. When it says they refuse to accept release, here's a literal translation of it. When they were having the brakes beat off them and were told, all you got to do is renounce your faith and we'll stop the beatings, they refused. I think of old Polycarp, one of the early church fathers. He was about to be burned at the stake. He was hands, he was on one of those stakes, man, and, and they had put everything around his feet and, and his the Romans, they looked at him and they said, Listen, if you'll renounce your faith in God, we won't burn you. Oh God, give us people like this. He looked at those guys that were about to burn him and he said this My God has been faithful to me all these years. How? Could I turn on him now? They lit the fire. Nero hated Christians so much that the walkway at his palace, he would line with believers and would tell them basically, if you would renounce your faith, I won't use you as a human candle. 
And when they wouldn't, he would light them on fire. God's others. Who refused to renounce their faith. Some of us, the reasons we'll renounce it so quick or we'll live like we don't have a faith is because this world is where we think it's at. Can I ask you a question? Are you crazy? I was told just this morning of another person that's got cancer. I was told this week two other people got cancer. Found out somebody has the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. Death is all around us. Everybody knows there was somebody that was killed in a head-on collision this week. And you think this world is where it's at? Think of all the sickness that we have around us. The heartache, the hurt. The Bible says this, that they might rise again to a better life. Y'all, can I tell y'all something today? Heaven's real. I, I, don't, I don't need somebody to write a book and tell me that. I've got the Bible that declares that fact. And contrary to popular belief, it's not going to be boring. How can perfection be boring? See, some of y'all are thinking about heaven in your unglorified minds. You're thinking about it in your unsanctified minds. Like, Lord, have mercy. It'll just be one big worship service, and worship service is just so boring. Number one, if you think worship services are boring, you need to run down here in just a minute, confess your sins, repent, and grab hold of the skirt of Jesus. Worship services are not boring. You might be boring if you think it because you're a hell-bound sinner. Just being honest. Hell don't like heaven. Sinners don't like worship services. Preacher, I just don't like coming. I'm get, man, I just get the funny feeling. I get all kind of convicted. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say this with love. I ain't made a comment like this in a while, Kim. If that's what you want, church is probably not for you. This church is probably not for you. I'm not going to preach some message that will wipe your nose and wipe your butt and burp you and feed you and give you a little burpy burpy, all right, and then pat you and give you a little stuff so you don't get diaper rash or you feel good about yourself. Feeling good about yourself sends you to hell. Every one of us need the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, whether you're saved or unsaved. So don't come here to this place and expect some lollygab sermon that'll be just a little burpy burpy and then you go away at home feeling good about yourself. Too many people have gone before us that refuse to accept release. You can go find you a church that'll be a feel-good church and you can go to hell from a padded pew in a Baptist church. 
or any other denomination that you want. They're out there. Or better yet, just start your own. So faith empowers us. But faith also endures us. Now, I've said all that, and I don't want you to think, uh, well, Hank says that it's got to be easy living like a Christian. It'll be the hardest thing. It's impossible to live the Christian life. It's hard to live up to God's standard, but it's also hard when your best friends are making fun of you. I'm not saying that's easy, but you can stand up to it if you've got the faith on the inside. Listen to what he says. These guys, these others, they suffer. That means devastating blows. They suffered mocking. And that word mocking means, it means to have verbal abuse. It doesn't mean just a little, well, such and such didn't speak to me, or little look a little holier than thou. No, it means when they are ripping you about their faith. And they're mocking you as some, I know, listen, I've told you before, we say that they, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words cut deeper than, I just soon you beat me with a stick than hurt me with your words. These guys had mockings. So these are mental trials where they were, they were being questioned. And listen, we'll face it all like, like you're one of those guys that I can hear it now. I'll get an email or a text this week. I know I will because it never fails when I say something. They'll say this. So you're one of those crazy kooks that believes the world's only 6,500 to 7,000 years old. And then they'll start giving me all this stuff. And they'll start mocking me like I'm some moron or some idiot. And I'll just send back, well, thanks. I do believe that. See, some of you guys want to fight with these people. they sinners. What do you expect a sinner to do? Break out their King James Version 1611 Bible? Sinners sin, and they love it. They're not going to believe like you. <clears throat> not only that, I need to rush. I spent too much time in the first part. There's also physical torture. So then it goes on. You know, and I know people be like, well, such and such, I laughed last week. I was making fun of, of Jennifer. She and I have had a laugh today about it. Um, her not speaking to me last week when I called her name. I said, hey, Jennifer, and she walked right on by me, little snooty thing. If I'd have been one of y'all, I'd have got my butt up on my shoulders and been mad at her for a week and a half. Well, it ain't so funny when I turn it on y'all, is it? Ha, 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 ha. I'm kidding. Not really, but I'll say it to make you okay. But anyway, so we worry about stuff like that. These guys were being, look what it says, flogging. You know what flogging is? You get tied to this pole, chained to it, and they take this whip that's got bone and metal and all this in there, and they begin to beat you in the back and across the face and everywhere so that it rips your skin off. And if they didn't want to flog you that way, that was the main way. Sometimes they would take a stick and just beat you all across the back from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and make your inside squishy jello. I, last time I checked and I looked this morning, there wasn't a flogging post out there for us. You didn't tie this week to the flogging post. I told him this this morning. Here's, here's the truth. Uh, somebody this morning asked me why I didn't talk more about tithing. It's, that's what I said, Maria. What? Somebody said, man, you need to talk more about tithing. You need to let people know, man. You need to tithe. I went, you want people to run? He says, if they run, they won't save. <laughs> okay. 
He said, man, church has got, we need to tithe. You should be a tither. Not a giver, a tither. 10% or more. So listen, so then he goes on, and then there's chains. They were just put in prisons and in, because it ties it with an imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two. Scripture tells us, or, or we, we, we hear through the, some stories, some historical stuff, that, we, that Isaiah was shoved into a hollow log at the end of his life, and that's how he was killed, and he was sawn in two. I wonder when they were sawing him in two. If he was singing one of the psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, as that saw blade came through. He leadeth me beside still waters. And maybe he drew his last breath. Think of old Stephen when he was stoned. You know, Stephen, if you never read Acts chapter 7 fully, you need to go read that thing. I just believe this. I'll take a little technical time out, and then I'll run. I'll, I'll try to finish right on time. Stephen just stands up and begins to debate with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he begins to just go at them and tell them all that they've done. He called them stiff-necked and all this stuff. And, and then they got so mad. The Bible says they got so mad. You ever made somebody so mad that they begin to just teeth or Clench together in their jaw bones. Jay does it all the time to you, Amanda. I know he's got to make you that mad at times. Anyway, uh, so you, man, we could get up and get you to show us how that, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I love y'all, man. But anyway, so you, you've been there, right? You just, and you think you're going to crack your teeth, man, the, the people that are talking to you that way. They throw him out, and then they begin to throw big rocks at him. But wait a minute. Stephen was one of God's, he was a disciple. It, wait a minute, if, if, if what some preachers preach today is true, Stephen should have been one of the guys that was rich now. I mean, he should have walked by, people should have just gave him money left and right. Right? I mean, that's what a prosperity preacher would tell you. For his faith, he got stoned. The Bible says when they were throwing them big old stones at him. You know, Scripture teaches us that Jesus is seated, right, at the right hand of the Father. Y'all with me? Y'all, everybody with He's seated. Dan, you ever thought about this? Stephen said, the heavens have opened, and I see the Son of Man standing. I believe that there's times... When the child of God's coming home, that Jesus stands up. I believe when some of these others are coming home, I believe the Son of Man stands up to welcome them. Oh, you may face pain, and you may face hurt, and you may face beatings and coming. I don't know, man, what this world's going to. But I promise you, if you stand firm, it'll be worth it. It'll be well worth it. You think them old boys, when they were about to be thrown into the fire, and they said, King, our God is able. But greatest words, I believe, somewhat in the Old Testament, but if not, 
let it be known. We did not bow to that. How many of us live that way? How many of us live a life so full of Jesus and sold out to Jesus that if we were being threatened, we would still stand firm? Let me, let me blow your mind here just a little bit. And then I'm going to really hurry up, and then I'm just going to end. We'll say things like this. We see somebody in the biggest storm of their life, and they're going through just hell on earth. And we'll say things like this in our piousness and our holier-than-thouness. We'll say, ooh, they must have some big sin in their life. You know, God may have caused it. He may have caused it. Okay, you're going to question me? Who caused Job's problems? God. God said, have you considered my servant Job? And that brought the wrath of Satan down on him. Twice. Go read Job 1, Job 2. Go read it. God said, have you considered my servant? How about this one? How about in Matthew chapter 4? When the Bible says Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you know who led him into the wilderness? The Spirit. The Spirit led Jesus out to be tempted to get in the worst, the hardest trial of his life outside of Gethsemane. How about this one? How about old Pete? I mean, old Paul, excuse me. Paul was told at the very beginning of his ministry, you're going to be suffering for me, and I'm going to show it to you. And yet Paul still went. And then we stand up and we, we fight that Jesus causes some of these places. Let me give you the last part. Faith encourages us. I don't know how many of you guys have lost someone young in your life or seemingly died early. And we question it. I want you to hold on to this. There's something better. And maybe, just maybe, verse 38 speaks to them. The world was not worthy. I believe there's times in the midst of this chaos that the Lord will just look to, to, your, to, your, to the angels. There's angels always around us. I believe he says, angels, take your hand off. The world is no longer worthy of the presence of this one. Now, you can question what I'm saying, but the Bible clearly says, of whom the world was not worthy. God just calls them home. And we would say, man, that stinks. Maybe for you, but not for them. Went to a place called heaven, man. They went to a place where there's perfection. Where they get to walk by sight, not by faith. And then, listen, he goes on. They, they have a good testimony. And all of these, though, commended through their faith. I want to ask you this. What's your testimony like? I was talking to a brother right out there just a minute ago. He asked me how to, how to he said, I got some, some non-believers that I work with. What should I do? And here's basically, and he's listening to me right now. And I, I sort of rambled because my mind was sort of here. But here's what I want to tell you, brother. Just have a good testimony in front of them. God will send them your way. You just keep living it out. 
And when their life falls apart, they'll see whose life never has. And then lastly, there's provision. Since God, they did not receive what was promised. You ever thought about that fact? All the Old Testament saints, they didn't receive what was promised. They just saw it from afar. All of their faith was on credit. And it wouldn't be paid by them, it'd be paid by Jesus. Oh, why do I offer this bull and this goat and this lamb? Because, see, there's coming a day when a man named Jesus will walk up to Golgotha and will shed his blood for me. And when he does that, on my credit list, on that bill and that statement I get every month, it's going to say these words, paid in full. What is your faith like? What's your faith like today? Are you one of God's others? Because here's what I think. Not only the named saints that we have at the beginning of Hebrews 11, but also these unnamed saints that we have in Hebrews 11. Here's the one thing they have in common. When they entered the portal of heaven, they heard these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you? Will you hear those words? You got to know him as Lord and Savior. I was told this week, I was on a conference call, and one old boy there said, How many of you guys are still given invitations? Because the word in preaching circles is they're, they're taboo now and that you shouldn't do it. Friends, as long as I'm pastor of Marion Baptist Church, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to call you today to make a decision for Jesus. I'm going to call you to walk an aisle, to stand in front, to tell everybody that you're a sinner and that you want to repent of your sins. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. Preacher, I'm feeling something right now, but I just don't know what. Here's what you're feeling. Conviction. Don't run from it. Embrace it. Because that conviction will lead you to repent. It's a big, I know you're going, that's a big $5 churchy word, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But here's what it simply means. You want to turn from your wicked ways. That you're a sinner. That you need a Savior. And that you want to confess Him to be and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. Friends, that's the only way to get to heaven. You're not going to get there by a trap door. You're not going to get there by a back door. You're not going to trick Jesus. You're not going to make any other deal with Jesus. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. So I'm calling you right now. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're sitting. But if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, truly, today should be the day. Give him your life. And trust him. 
and become one of God's others. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.